Live life the Edgecorp way. Punch the clock. Keep your head down. Collect your pay. This is the day-to-day -day reality of working stiffs in a rough galaxy. But when the crew of the cargo freighter Calamity fails to catch break after break, their lives are turned upside down. Bad cargo, spiraling debt, and a woman's life on the line, all with the Golden League crime syndicate breathing down their necks. It's no surprise that these blue-collar folks get desperate enough to take any job. Can't let danger or moral compromises get in the way of their bonus checks. So goes life, far beyond the stars. I guess we can talk about Starfinder instead. Is that what people are here for? Are they here for the Starfinder or are they here for the good, 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 like hot Disney takes? Because I think it's both. I thought we were here for greatest show on Earth. They're, they're not here for the greatest show on Earth. Oh. You're, you're in the wrong place, sir. I will be playing pageant today. <laughs> awesome. Honestly, that would really amuse me. The role of pageant will be played by Heidi Owens. Will be today like, played oh my by Heidi God. Owens. Shut up. <laughs> um, yeah, yes. Nailed it. Just really hit Logan's characterization on the head. <laughs> but yes, everyone, welcome back. Today we record episode four of our Starfinder campaign. We've started doing a little bit more with character backstories. Over the past couple of episodes, we've been weaving in some tantalizing hints about where all of you come from, what some of your secrets might be, what some of your primary motivations might be. And I just want to kind of go around the table, as it were, and talk about how you develop backstories. What is your typical method? Do you have one? Let's start with Heidi, since she shrugged, and I feel like picking on her. <laughs> Did I shrug? Yes. I don't know what my body does at any given moment. <laughs> I have a tendency to just be really loosey-goosey to start with, usually. I, I find something that I really like that I can latch onto as far as, you know, like, race or class. Usually that gives me a couple ideas and I and I try and think about what exactly do I want to see this character doing? You know, if I come up with two opposing ideas like like I did with Saren, um, you know, about your parents, there was a moment where I was thinking, oh, would it be more interesting for Jure to have a bunch of parents or to have one parent? And as soon as I was thinking about that I got a story in my head that basically just fully formed of what it would look like for Jure to have one parent. And I got next to nothing for Jure having seven parents. <laughs> and uh, and so I, that was something that I could then follow through. And, you know, okay, once I did that, where does she end up and why does she end up where she does? Figuring out what the character would have done over the years... And then through gameplay, I like to to have more things pop up and, and get to flesh them out. I'm trying to get more in the habit of writing little anecdotes. And I haven't done this with Saren yet, but, you know, maybe there was a time in when she was like 15 and something, 
you know, this one particular thing happened at a birthday party or something like that. She never went to birthday parties. That wasn't a thing that happened. <laughs> but if only she'd had a childhood that happy. Yes, indeed. I think that's a, that's all that I really have, you know, as far as developing backstories is just trying to find something that feels like I can latch onto and write a story about, even if it's not fleshed out. I would love to read some Saren vignettes here on the pod, so write them. <laughs> I think I will. Jess, you got something to say? Oh, no, I was just laughing. <laughs> I mean, unless you want me to go next. I mean, you, you can go next if you want to. Okay, well... People may or may not know if they haven't listened to our other stuff or been on the Discord, but I make about 60 bajillion characters every year. At this point, for Pathfinder 1E alone, I have almost 200 characters in the backup chest. Only about 20 of those are actually fully fleshed out. And what I do is I, much like Heidi, start with a single thing that conceptually, not conceptually even, just a single thing that I, I want for the character. Um, like, for example, for Ballad, what I wanted, I was like, well, I want a pink cat girl. The end. So the way I did that <laughs> is I was like, what is a race that could be a pink cat girl? You know, could she have been modded? I thought about the different ways that could go. And then I sort of just like go into a fugue state and like beautiful mind it. And mm. okay, <laughs> it's just like free association for about an hour where I don't really know what I'm I'm thinking about or doing, but I just write it all out. And that's how I ended up with a backstory that you will see is absolutely insane for a uh, ballad, but <laughs> just bonkers in so many ways. But I mean, we can take an example of someone who's kind of out, out of the picture now, more or less. But like Minette, the free association with her was it jumped from this point of she has this joyful personality. That was thing number one I started with is I don't want a paladin that's very standard lawful good in the most dry sense of paladins. So coming up with her backstory, I was a lot of it is very morally gray. And then I was like, there would have been a moment where she's fighting authority. And there would have been these moments where she is downtrodden and poor and, you know, fighting for her family, that kind of stuff. So like, that's kind of where how my mind goes, it goes through these chains of things that are all associated, but don't necessarily have to be. It's just that that's where my brain takes it. And then with all of my characters, they all connect back to me in some facet or other. So I start planning that aspect of it. For Andromeda in our FWP game, our Reign of Winter game, I should say, our Pathfinder 1E game, Andromeda is very much a sort of representation of my journey through recovering from a lot of my mental illness, which is like a lifelong thing. But, you know, some of the, the things that happened in my early teen years with Ballad, we'll see. <laughs> We'll see. You know, I'm not going to explain now what she, what I have planned with her, but um, keep a keep a couple of those cards close to the vest. Don't need ne oh, yeah. necessarily lay it all out on the table. It's a secret. right now at episode four. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's how it basically goes for me. Nice. Okay. <laughs> uh, Dustin Angel, who wants to go next? I usually have one specific concept that's sort of nebulous and I'll layer onto it. So for example, and I believe I shared it in one of the Reign of Winter episodes where for Abraxas, all I really had was, uh, you know, I want a Mowgli type deal. This uh, character is going to be raised by uh, some other species. That sounds about right. And then it's a little layer here, a little layer there, and just, just different things until a whole image 
becomes clear. So really kind of rough draft that starts looking good. I go with my gut going, oh, I, I like this. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, that sounds cool. Oh, you know what? Werewolves. Those are pretty cool. They, uh, oh, well, instead of being were cool. by wolves, I was raised by wolves as one of them. Yeah, that works yeah. great. And, you know, the character comes to life. For Byron, I remember thinking, okay, I want a number two. You always have the kind of number one or your heroes are uh, – that you know they were the smartest of the bunch the greatest i all i thought all i really had as a concept was there's got to be a number two and not even behind a great person is even a greater person behind no i wanted that kind of number two that you know does clerical work in the background clerical work to uh make something successful so i wanted (laughs) a number two you know second string and just from there kind of adding different elements going oh, you know what? I want to do some mad flips and play the violin. Maybe an acrobat. Um. Oh, gosh. Oh, hey, you know what? Monks, they move around. Oh, I think I know what I want. And then I start formulating and I have little snippets of stories, same thing that I put together. I'll usually have a, um, a couple of little lines and it makes the character evolve. So for for Miss Fanny, um. I have a a thing. I won't put their full a little secret. I'll, a couple things here. I have like, I have their full full name, but it's you know blank. Knew how to adapt and that's Redacted. period. And that's just like a little like a narrative hook. And from there, it's bullet points. I'm all about bullet points. Um, and really, just for this for Miss Fanny was scrolling through until um, the different races because I know I wanted sci-fi for sure and uh i landed on the astrozoan and the, it was such a fun read um you know other Absolutely. than the one little snafu they have in the description but they're so interesting it was so funny and oh, i i want to say one of the first things i did is either send a picture to you abby or jess or both going i'm squishy you alien poofy little thing it's like a little blob <laughs> and i was so excited about that and it i i I kind of just evolved around that and just fleshed out different things with Miss Fanny. I started the timeline a whole lot earlier. With Abraxas, I built a timeline a little a little later. You know, Dustin had asked for some stuff to kind of help align for the campaign. And it really helped for Abraxas. So I did that a whole lot earlier for Miss Fanny. So I have these little bullet points. And Abby, that was that, sh- that, the, that document I shared with you. And it's the different age, the notes that happened around that time. And it was fun for the Astrozoan throw down some shapes during that time. So they necessarily have to be human, Lashunta the whole time. It was, I'm looking at this one, it's shorter to cook at a space diner. Their name was uh, Rayaz. And the next thing it's, oh, it's a lab technician for a medical center for veterans, Vix as a Vesk. And I really enjoyed that. So for kind of getting Miss Fanny put together, it was nice because I was able to throw more things out there than I would for a regular character that 
Like one of those single shaped characters. Yawn. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> so boring. All of these hey, people I have a can disguise find. Matrix. Oh, that's no, true. <laughs> that's true. Impersonation. I believe Saren can actually grow crystals too. Yeah. I'm glad you brought the timeline thing up because I, that's something I was I forgot as well. I always do that with characters. And Manette was one of the first I actually started doing it with, but I do it with all of them now. The the long forms, narrative uh, timelines and AUs. <laughs> I recommend writing AUs. AUs, yes. You've got a character <laughs> idea. It's kind of nebulous. You're not really mm-hmm. sure if you've got them pinned down. So you put your idea in like six different scenarios and mm-hmm. see what stays constant in all of these different kinds of stories you might tell with this person. You want to say what an AU is? Because I don't think everybody knows what AU is. Oh, mean. yeah. Alternate universe. Yeah. Alternate universe. Yes is that one. Uh, The timeline thing, I think, is actually a pretty good segue to zeroing in on Dustin, last but never least. I personally never really made character timelines before Dustin encouraged me to for our other public podcast, the Fantastic Worlds podcast. I had never created characters that way. But now that's all I do every time I create a new one because it's such a great idea. And it's what I asked all four of you to do for me because it also really helps me as your galactic mistress to organize where each of you have been at different points in your lives and where you might be now in your, in your story as a, as a character and as a person. Um, I also want to throw in a quick, just a quick uh, note because we've been talking so much about our characters from our other podcasts. Uh, those other podcasts are Fantastic Worlds podcast, which is our Reign <laughs> of Winter campaign that goes through uh, Pathfinder 1E. And then we've also got our greatest show on Earth story, which you can access through our Patreon. And that is going through Extinction Curse, which is an AP for Pathfinder 2E. Okay. Sorry, just wanted to get that out of the way. Dustin, how do you make characters, my friend? I don't have a set way, but I think every character I ever create has a where they're from, where they are now, and where they want to go. You know, once I lay those three areas out, it helps to form the shape of something farther. And then usually at that point, it's whatever hits my fancy. I have wanted to play a gunslinger cowboy for a very long time. I uh, have not been able to do it in 1E because I'm GMing our 1E game. Have not been able to do it in 2E because they were not out yet. They will be out in October, but you know, and that's when Mariposa will die. Uh, but there's that. And then I've already said that's not allowed. <laughs> yeah, don't even don't even joke, Mariposa. No gunslingers. There wasn't really a gl- gunslinger <laughs> type in Starfinder, but I, that's because everybody could be a gunslinger if they want to, because guns are normal use. Anybody who's listened to the other shows knows that lately I have been making characters with devastating backgrounds. I wanted to make it a little lighter, but it ended up not happening that way. I usually find some emotion within me that I want to explore more because maybe it's something that's painful or something that even makes me happy or something, and then take that and blow it up into a character. And that's where Calamity comes from, is exploring the roots of growing up in a rural community and 
the effects it had on the people around me. My family was always pretty stable, but I had friends and even family beyond my immediate family where living in a rural community, there are some hardships that you face that most people who might live in a bigger city don't experience. I had the unique experience of living in this small little community called Corning, California, and then eventually moving to the San Francisco Bay Area. And it was just startling to me the lack of fear about certain things in life in the San Francisco Bay Area, everybody has access to healthcare because somebody won't work a job where healthcare isn't offered. But in a rural community where the number of people exceed the number of available jobs, employers have a bigger ability to say things like, I'm not going to give you health insurance or I'm not going to, I'm going to pay you this substandard wage. And Mm -hmm. it makes a person become something that's not always good. And so That was kind of where I wanted to explore with Friday and where he's going. Mariposa, it was, Mariposa was more of, I wanted a, I wanted a confident character. I always wanted to play a paladin, but I never wanted to play a lawful good paladin. So with two (laughs) E, I got to play a chaotic good paladin as champion. And I think she embraces that chaotic goodness very well by randomly opening doors and getting us into trouble all the time. Uh, All the time. Mariposa charges in. Yo, we used to say Manette rushes in. Now it's freaking Mariposa charges in. Yep. How the turntables. There's always got to be one. (laughs) (laughs) Where did she come from? I wanted to play someone older. I've always played somebody like in the 18 to 25 range. And I'm like, I'm kind of done with that. I want to play somebody who's, you know, actually experienced life because I have experienced life at this point. And uh, so then they start bringing the questions. Well, like, could she be a mother? You know? What if she was a mother? Well, where's her kid? And started it started drilling down all these questions. And before I know it, I had a very, very well thought out character. And uh, that's how she came to be. So it's kind of the same thing with Friday as well. You know, I placed a few places where they came from, who they are now, and where they're going. And then I started asking just a lot of questions to myself and answering those questions. And before you know that, you have a had Friday. Hell yeah. Can I say, I love that we all choose to play older characters like almost all the time literally the youngest one we've played so far has been you know my 19 year old andromeda and that was for very that that was for reasons but i love that so often the adventure paths you hear other people doing it's like they'll be in the 20s range but most of the time they're not in their 30s or 40s or whatever and i really love that we've all kind of just been doing that all the time (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, since the very first game that yeah. like all of our characters in Fantastic Worlds at this point are, except for Andromeda, of course, or Sweet Little Baby, <laughs> are totally mm. like early middle age to maybe a little older. And it's it's actually really fun kind of playing with a party of people that have a lot of maturity and some gravitas yeah. to them. Adults. And that way we don't get things. If there's hot women in the in the tavern, I want to do them. <laughs> well, we do, we do a little bit of that. Way too well. <laughs> we uh, do a lot ex- of that. And we do, except it's mostly directed at the monsters. Yep. We're like, hey, what's up with you? Because of the queer <laughs> factor. What's what's your deal, cryptid man? Okay. Um, I think with that, let's get into it. To recap, because it's been a couple weeks since we played this game. Um, The four of you came to Akaton with your load of 50 tons of Yara berries, making it in plenty of time to sell them while they were still fresh to one of Hive Market's few permanent stores, which was Ka Imports. 
When you arrived in Hive Market, however, you found that it, it had recently been taken over by Ichihara Hong Holdings, which is a very unfortunately familiar name to Ballad and Saren, who really put the hostile and hostile takeover. Siski, the proprietor of Kai Imports, has left town for a family emergency, but something seems really fishy about that to the four of you. And her place, and in her place, is a human woman, Ainsley the Hunter, who is a agent of the Ishihara Hong family. Uh, she treated you politely enough, but flat out refused to honor the agreement Edgecorp made with Siski and only offered you 50% of the total price. Since Friday is already in a bit of a pinch with not making his company's set goals and needing to be able to afford medication for his ailing mother, he's unable to accept only 50% of the profit. That would 100% derail um, any attempt to recoup some of your crew's losses in the past few months. So you all left Ichihara Hong Imports and tried to shop it around elsewhere with very little luck until Ballad called in a favor from a contact of hers in the Saito family, which is also a member organization of the Golden League, like the Ichihara Hongs, who could get you 70% of the profits for the berries. As it was all you were going to get, especially in the remaining time before the berries might start going bad, you decided to take the deal. So now... The four of you are loading the berries into your cargo hauler. You're preparing to take them to Ballad's contact. But before you can leave, Ainsley's Shobhad enforcers, these two very large tusked people named Flix and Nix, with intimidating spears and guns show up and say that Ainsley's changed her mind. She's decided she'll buy the berries after all, and she's not taking no. For an answer. Everybody, uh, roll me that inish. Saren, what did you get? I rolled a nine for a ten. <laughs> Good job. I'm pleased and proud. Friday, what'd you get? I rolled a 19 for my initiative roll, which gives me a 23. It is the season <laughs> of Friday. Fine. <laughs> Fine. Friday, well, I'm then. in love. Fine then. <laughs> ballad what did you get 16 16 yeah miss Ooh. fanny well my dear i rolled <laughs> a seven such a lovely number for a total of 11 it's a really lovely number i like that number a lot for you you just like that you're going first for one. I do like that I'm going first. <laughs> you're not going first. Friday's going first. Oh, I mean, fine. That's true. I get to go second and third. So we've got Friday up first. These very large beings have very large guns pointed, well, mostly at Ballot right now because they be right up in front. Friday reaches for the ground and you see him p- pull his hand back, struggling as he gives up one of his first level spells to access his infinite worlds. And what Ooh. infinite worlds does, I can pull an environment from another world into this one and a sheet of ice forms under both of these creatures and I need them to roll me a reflex save. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you summon forth Hoth or Irisin. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Our good friend Flix rolled a <laughs> 14. And our good friend Nix rolled a 18. Oh, not bad. Oh, okay. Not bad. How'd they do? Well, one failed. Obviously, the one with the lower number. I mean, obviously. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Okay. For the next turn, he is uh, unable to uh, move. It basically tries to move and he slides around. And then I yell to Ballad. Get on. We're going to take off and leave them in our dust. That ends my turn. I hate you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. I'm still in range. (laughs) You're not even going to let me try to shoot you at least a little? (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Not even like a little bit? They're not in a vehicle. We are. It's an easy equation. (laughs) (laughs) They're pretty fast. I don't know how fast your cargo rig goes. Nah, we'll run them over. You'll <laughs> we'll run try them over. to. They're going to jump on. Oh, but you know what? Top of vehicle combat will be cool as hell. Yes. It will be cool as hell. <laughs> okay. So we're moving on to Nyx, who did make his save. And so he can move. And not realizing that uh, his companion is currently struggling a little bit on the ice and trusting that he'll be able to take care of Ballad just fine. He actually moves towards Saren. If you move more than five feet away from me, I will get an attack of opportunity. Yep. Yeah, go ahead and take your attack of opportunity. Yeah. Ballot had her chain whip wrapped around her fist. And as he runs past her, she swiftly unfurls it from around her fist and just whips it immediately over her head. Oh, that's a crit. Okay, well. Pull a crit card. Wow, this is going really great for me. I'm excited about this. I was like, oh, 24, that's low. We're having no, fun. <laughs> <laughs> this is a fun game. This is a grazing hit. Normal damage, which for us means double damage. The target is stunned for one round. Yes. All right. Well, the damage is 13 in total. And he is stunned. He can't do anything. He just vaguely moved in Saren's direction. <laughs> and and that's all. So we move on to... Uh, flicks. Is it that he can't, he just can't move from this position, but he can still attack, right? It's basically like entangled. So he can't move out of that square for this round. Okay. But he can still use his arms to. He can use his, yeah, it's like he can fire a gun, for example. Gotcha. Which is, which is what he's going to do. He's going to take this very large gun that on a smaller creature could technically be labeled a cannon. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and he's going to point it at Ballad because she just uh, laid the smack down on his buddy. I'm cool like that. So here we go. You are cool like that. <laughs> Ordinarily, I have more appreciation for it. <laughs> okay, that would be a natural 20. Oh, hooray. Crit on crit. Oh, my goodness. Tit Give me for that tat. crit card. <laughs> Give me that crit card. Give it. Give me the crit. This is called Eyebrow Bleed. Crit effect. The target is off target and takes a negative five penalty to perception checks until healed. Negative five to perception? Is that it? That's it? Aha! <laughs> I guess that, you know, I don't know. 
that's that's it. That's all. Mm-hmm. I only have a. Do plus I still four. get to do? I still get to do double damage. Yeah, right? you still do get to take double damage. Thank Ouch. the Lord. That's going to be the take bad twelve part. points of damage. Ah. Ouch. Uh oh. Ouchie, mama. Oh no! Got shot. Got shot. I did get shot big time. <laughs> that ends Flix's turn after Ugh. shooting straight at Ballad and hitting his target. We move on to Ballad. Reactions, thoughts, feelings. Well, she's pretty pissed that she got shot and also yeah. looks pretty bewildered. <laughs> she <laughs> she kind of like staggers back and then whirls around a bit dizzily and goes running towards the truck and is going to jump up on the side and scream, go, 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 go. <laughs> she slaps the side of Bessie. <laughs> Get us out of here, Fanny. I think Saren reaches, you know, reaches a hand down to pull, to pull up Ballad. Oh, like, thank you. I'm going to use that hand and get on up on the top. <laughs> oh, God. What a hit. I'm not feeling good. It's really weird actually attacking you people. I think this is the first time I've actually like <laughs> the only, the only, the only enemies that I've handled so far, really, that you have been like in an encounter with so far. Little goblins who were just trying to take crates of garo berries, like nothing serious. It definitely wasn't going to put you in harm's way. So this is really <laughs> weird for me. It's the first time I actually have to like attack you. <laughs> oh, God. With big old cannons, too. And try to kill you. It's very weird. <laughs> it's fun, but it's very weird. Okay, is that the end of your turn, Ballad? Yeah, that's... Yeah. Uh, Miss Fanny, it's your turn. You must succeed at the piling check DC 10 plus your vehicle's item level to race. Yeah. Okay. So, but this is something that you can do on your turn right now. Yes. Okay. Excellent. All right. <laughs> God damn it. Do what you're going to do, Fanny. <laughs> All right. Here we go. That guy Kylie. can't move either. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Get him! All, uh, all Flix can really do, like, Nyx is stunned, can't do shit. All Flix can do is, like, shoot at you as you leave. But <laughs> This is so funny how many times we're using the vehicle. I ne- I'm never uh, jumping <clears throat> off this thing again. We're just going to always run things over. That's going to become our MO. <laughs> I, uh, um, I'm sure yeah, okay, yep, let's do it. <laughs> Everyone hang up. On full on pedal to the metal, taking this uh, Bessie to its full 450 <laughs> using a full Jesus round Christ. action to race. Damn! Pedal to the metal! Pedal to the metal, dearies! She puts on the, the radio, it's like, dana dana dana, looking for adventure. Okay, Boom. so as you're just careening, Bessie out of the the loading zone by your ship. You know, one show pod enforcer is still reeling. He's trying to get his bearings. He he can't really seem to get it the correct he's just fumbling his gun. The one out in front, Flix, still manages to get his gun around and does take a shot at the cargo rig as you're fleeing. Since uh Friday's the one that spoiled his plan. <laughs> Flix is take is taking Aim right at you. Um, let me... Does this give you cover? Yeah. It says improved cover. Yep. Plus eight. But he's still going to shoot at you because he is pissed at you in particular. No dice. Actually, he crit failed. Yes. 
Oh my god. <laughs> he rolled a one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these poor, poor guys. Guy. Wow. Um, these are like supposed to be Ainsley the Hunter's big scary enforcers. And you see that when they do successfully attack someone, they hit hard. They hit so hard. But uh, y'all are really good strategists. And this is with a gun, right? Yes, it's with a cannon. A light reaction cannon, as Ballad discovered. This is, oh, come on, man. Your poor grip causes the recoil from your gun to smack you in the face, taking 1d4 <laughs> non-lethal damage, and you are dazed until the end of your next wow. turn. You have a negative two for your charisma for one week, uh, and your black eye or a healing serum will, will bring it back. Yep. This is what happens when you go against a pro. Uh, this is the real assassin here. This is Calamity Crew at its best. Jesus We're going to have a badass Christ. rep, and it's just a series of bad luck on their part, good luck, but the legends are going to speak how this battle, we were like, meh, Like, the car chase is, like, spinning, you know, everybody's jumping out and jumping in, one hand grabbing the the door handle. So, cinematically, when people are going to be retelling the tale, oh, the bystanders are, this is how they're retelling it to the, the, like, law enforcement. It's going to sound more badass than it really was. Huge blue guy summoned ice, and then tiny woman whipped one of them, then got super blasted, jumped up on the truck, and then the old woman just, like, blasted it. Yeah, there was also a rock person on there. I don't yeah, know. And the rock person was like, come on up. <laughs> rock person, I'm you know, cinematically like leans down, grabs Ballad's arm and swings swings her up onto the roof. I owe and then you just my life. covers, you know, her wounded form from further damage. <laughs> <laughs> a masterpiece. That's beautiful. This was masterful. Yeah, as you're speeding away from the scene and you see that, you know, the one that wasn't stunned has smacked himself in the face with the butt of his own rifle. (laughs) And Saren, you notice that that his buddy, who seems to be somewhat recovering from his days, but not completely, is talking into his Uh communications device and staring straight at you, you're pretty sure. Saren just meets his gaze with this look of fear. Oh no. <laughs> Ballad pats at your arm. Can I add uh, one more action to this before we, we escape AA? Hey, you know what? Why the fuck not? <laughs> I toss a smoke grenade over in their area so they're all. <laughs> oh my gosh. Insult to just injury. Just add insult to injury. <laughs> I'm not even going to make you roll for it. It's good flavor. Like, <laughs> you're out of combat effectively at this point, so you can do whatever you want. <laughs> Let's get this damn package unloaded so we can get the frack out of here. <laughs> Ziri, uh, I have some serum. Uh, I think Ballad got hurt. I'm, it's in my bag. Can't take off my <laughs> eyes off the road. I I actually have some serum as well. I I I've got this taken care of. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> you doing okay, Ballad? I'm I'm hanging on. Saren reaches to Jure, um 
holster where she has this little needler gun and quick loads a healing serum into it and presses it up against Ballad's shoulder and just says, all right, time for your shot. And Ballad's going to get back eight hit points. Oh, thank you. Good Lord. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. That really hurt. Jerks. She like spits back in the direction of where they were. <laughs> All you see is just, it's just a cloud of smoke fading quickly into the distance. I wish I'd killed them. Yeah, but they would have drawn more attention to us. That kind of street scum doesn't get attention around here. You know that. But they do work for someone known as Ainsley the Hunter. And mm, she was going to be hunting us either way. You know that, right, Saren? Y- yes, but... I think they know that I'm here. They might send someone else. I touched Saren's arm. Like I said, they knew you were here already. They were going to be coming after us either way. That's true. And you know what? You have good friends here. Look what we just accomplished. Yeah, that was an amazing whip strike. How did you learn to use that? Uh, Well, I trained for a very long time. With a very talented person. (laughs) But you're so young. Right, yeah, I'm, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know. (laughs) Uh, Right. Yeah. (laughs) I started training when I was like five, you know. (laughs) Just a a young Padawan, no. (laughs) That is a long time. Nothing else molests you uh, on your way to see uh, Kiyohiro. You do notice uh, for a little while you were being followed by a Kulan, which is, Mm. as I think I mentioned them a couple episodes ago when we were first arriving on Akiton, Uh, but they are this, they're the subspecies of fae that lives near the sacred mountain, Ka, around which Hive Market is arranged. And they are something of the market protectors and the enforcers of market rules. So they are following you for a little bit. They look a lot like mermen. If mermen just sort of floated in the air and still had legs, but they've got these sort of... uh, very large round eyes pointy ears they're a little bit purple and they just have these fins coming out of their elbows and at the top of their thighs and one is floating through the air after you but when he catches Ballad's eye or Saren's eye or whoever's looking backwards he just gives you the grave up and down look and then sinks back into the ground (laughs) Ballad waves I rolled a 27 piloting just to make sure <laughs> nice. we shake any pursuers and also Perfect. drive Avida speed to not jostle the berries too much, but also make a surprise left, a surprise right, and do the Hollywood thing where you hit something at the right angle to make the car go sideways <laughs> through an alley. No, um, A giant <laughs> cargo truck. You're yeah. like... <laughs> uh, Miss Fanny Drift. <laughs> Pulling a trailer loaded down with 50 tons of fruit. <laughs> he rolled a 27. He did roll a 27. That's true. 
It's Epsilon Drift, baby. Well, I mean, I mean, it's, it's basically just to make sure uh, uh, to trick pursuers. I'm losing my mind. <laughs> if someone had been following you, you are a canny enough driver that you absolutely avoided any pursuers. You probably wouldn't have been able to avoid the Kulan, but you towed the line a little bit, but you didn't actually break any market rules. So I say we diffuse that situation quite right. Yeah, you diffuse that situation beautifully. <laughs> beautifully. Much to Abby's dismay. I'm mad about it. <laughs> and impressed at the same time. You're all fantastic. You're completely unimpeded making it to Saito Holdings. So you pull up in the back behind Saito Corporation's base of operations in Hive Market. You get out. Ballad, how are you walking all right? What's your what's your situation? Are you feeling much improved or just mildly improved? She's back at full health, but it's not like just because you heal up, you're perfectly back to normal. She was sort of meditating on the top of the the truck alongside Saren, just on her knees with her eyes closed, which was probably awkward because Saren's just sitting there like, okay. <laughs> I guess I'll just let you do that. Um. Uh-huh. <laughs> but she probably knows also that Ballad still needed her stamina back. She looks okay, but she is a little wobbly when she jumps jumps off the truck, which is unusual for her. She's going to go straight to Swiftly, once she regains her composure, walk up to the door she knows she needs to knock on. It opens, and uh, on the other side is the young drow male that you spoke to last night to secure everything he takes you in you you do look a little pale yeah you look like someone who just got shot (laughs) despite the fact that you don't visibly have any gunshot wounds on you anymore but your clothes are definitely the blood doesn't necessarily go away just because you got healed up exactly so he takes you in and he's just like come inside come inside This is actually an important note, too, is that because she has this impersonation matrix, when stuff happens to her, she is experienced enough at this point to be like, I'm going to incorporate it into my outward appearance. So this is all constructed, more or less, because she can't. Mm -hmm. I don't know that the impersonation matrix like just does that. (laughs) She has to be pretty aware of those things, like when she gets injured to make sure that it looks like, oh yeah, I got injured. <laughs> I'm dirty. Yeah. I don't just always look like a perfect copy of myself, you know? To really sell the, like, nope, just a normal human. That's me. Yeah, because otherwise, I mean, she's hundreds of years old, so she's figured this out. But she remembers early on, definitely, when she would be like, it's just me, Ballad. And people would be like, um, <laughs> you look a little too pristine right now. That's weird. Always perfectly quaffed. <laughs> Even after coming out of a firefight. Your hair is beautiful. What hairspray do you use? Yeah, no. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's flawless. It's absolutely flawless. So Kiyohiro ushers you inside. He peers over your shoulder and also gestures for your three companions mm-hmm. to come inside as well. Miss Fanny will uh, put the club, <laughs> ripe the club on Bessie and blow out slowly. And... Um, <laughs> Not forget their their purse and for the little bag <laughs> and ambles ambles <laughs> over. Everybody remember where we parked. <laughs> as soon as the door shuts behind you, Q Hero just turns to, mostly to Ballad, but to all four of you, goes, "What happened?" Yeah, okay, so here's what happened: we met this Ichihara Hong person, um, Ainsley the Hunter. 
seems like she poisoned the market and that everybody wants to offer us 50% except for you. I'm sure you got the message. Right? This I know. We talked about this last night. Right, 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 right. Okay, but... How did you get shot? Um, well, she sent her, her big shobes after me. Ballad spits on the floor. <laughs> and uh, normally I like those guys, but they were really... Mm, they were not friendly. They were trying to get a mugger's discount. We're not gonna lay down for those suckers. Yeah, good call, Captain, on just, like, driving off. I was, I really wanted to kill them, but... <laughs> Kiyohiro looks at, looks at you, Friday, with uh, no small amount, no small amount of respect. He respects that attitude. <laughs> That's definitely an attitude that uh, members of the Golden League and Drow in particular, they really vibe with that. Also, he digs your purple skin because he has purple skin. <laughs> he too and has he purple. likes <laughs> He too is purple. Purple boys. Us purple yeah. people gotta stick together. Purple boys gotta stick together. <laughs> I'm glad you've made it in one piece, but and he, this time ballad, he is he is staring straight into your eyes with, with as much admonishment as he can muster through his, you know ordinarily very stoic demeanor and then you must leave as soon as you can oh we're gonna be leaving as soon as we drop off these yarberries damn fine yarberries i might say you're getting a hell of a deal <laughs> he's also taking a big risk on our behalf i appreciate your i appreciate your assistance sir i'm no down for these this economic hindrance mumbo jumbo <laughs> oh please! Any any opportunity to cause inconvenience for the Ichihara Hongs is an opportunity I'm always interested in. Speaking of, have you met Saren? And then I kind of like shove Saren forward. <laughs> Saren has up until now literally been doing your best to hide from <laughs> from anyone's view. And uh, <laughs> hi, yes, um. Good to meet you. A pleasure to meet you, Saren. Y yes, it. My name is Saren. I see, Saren. I probably am the first. I'm unfortunately the first one that has to tell you this, but your presence has been noted. She in Hive Market. She knows. And she knows. Ordinarily, <laughs> I wouldn't mention it, but you're a friend of Ballads. Uh, with a bounty attached to it. Oh, um. Oh, bye. Sorry, <laughs> Captain, that I never told you about that. Sarah just looks at the captain and is cringing. I've done some math, and I'm. I must admit that I'm worried about even being here. Indeed. Can't say that I feel safe right now. Aw, we'll keep you safe, Saren. And Ballad grabs Saren around your crystal waist and then lets Jer go. And then it's like, Kyo, listen, um, we know. Isn't that funny, though? Like, <laughs> the two of us meeting, isn't that weird? Okay, anyways. I don't know if I believe in coincidences, Ballad. <laughs> well, I, I say it's time we uh, we collect because I, I think we need to get off this planet. You know what they say, the riskier the road the greater the profit, but it also means the quicker we need to leave. So we'll just be collecting that uh, those credit sticks and be on our way. Excellent. 
after you've unloaded the berries, naturally. Oh, of course. business captain. Oh, I'm on that. And then Ballad raises one arm with a bicep and it's like, Miss Fanny. <laughs> oh, um, Miss Fanny, again, with their multiple arms up, down, <laughs> sideways, left, left, right, right, up. No. Um, and the holographic frame of the lifting lifting frame appears around you. And she'll take a look at Saren. I, you must have had your reason. No need to fret. You're safe with us. Saren s- smiles and <laughs> while they're working, uh, we'll pull the captain aside. Now, Saren, <laughs> before you say anything, I just need to lay down a little foot rules. I understand we all have histories. We all have things that are going to get in the way of life. And, you know, sometimes we got to hide from things. But as the captain of the ship, I'm responsible for all of you. And that includes your protection. So moving forward. If there's something I need to know, you need to tell me. We'll have a conversation, but I think given the danger of the Golden League, I'll probably leave ship at the next port just to be safe. I I didn't tell you you're going to leave. I find you might handy. I enjoy your company. I enjoy that musical ballad that comes out of your mouth. And uh, I think you're an important part of the crew. So, no, no, you're going to stay. But but we got to have some honesty. And for honesty, you'll have my backing. Uh, oh, oh, okay. I, I do just think that you'll be safer. You've been so kind to me that I don't want to see you hurt. Um, I really think it'd probably be best if I leave at the next port. Who's the captain? You're the captain. <laughs> okay, I, I make the decisions about what's safe and what's not safe. If you want to leave of your own will, that's your decision. But as long as you're honest with me, you'll always have a spot here. I think you might be safer with me now that I'm kind of getting the lay of the land. We'll definitely have a conversation about stuff. Um, I'll probably tell the whole crew. Uh, there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot. Well, you, you you tell us when you feel right ready. Not not pressuring you. I just I just need to know what we're, we're up against. Of course. Now, why don't you go help them unload those yara berries real quick so we can get out of here? We'll do. Thanks, Captain. Uh, Sarah, and then goes back to to unloading yara berries. Like how how is Saren feeling? While she is talking to the captain. Your crystals are sparkling the way that they do when she's really nervous. These little pinpricks of starlight embedded beneath Jure, deep inside of Jure. The biggest thing she's feeling is this fear. The others are going to reject Jure and a belief that no matter what she does, they're going to just say, you know what? You're too much. You're too much of a problem. You need to get off. And so it does come down to rather than let them do that she's trying to say no i'm gonna go i'm gonna i'm gonna do this of my own volition and you can't stop me and that way you can't hurt me i'm taking the power that you have to hurt me away from you by not being honest with what i'm feeling and what what she's feeling is this combination of terror right that someone's after sure which she's always known but also that that sense that 
of sadness about the potential loss of a community of of people who matter and who care about Jur and an inability to accept that they might accept Jur at this point. You know, that fear of even feeling accepted, even though they've been together for like 15 years. Yeah. You gotta start, you gotta start low so that all of your friends can love you into being a more complete person later. <laughs> By force. By force. Meanwhile, Fanny and Ballad, Ballad is just like, Fanny, you are the coolest. I love it when you just like drive the, the rig super fast down the road. That was awesome. Remember when we drifted in like a single day? That was amazing. <laughs> they, and you're always giving me this, mm, and she like does a pose with, her, with two crates on her arms. <laughs> I didn't know I had it in me. I haven't drifted in so long, but it felt right. A little in her eyes, you can probably see, uh, you know, they're pro- they're having a flashback back to their piloting. Not that their piloting days are over, but back when they really <laughs> pushed the limit on the needle and did some crazy maneuvers. Totally um, You're yeah. all amazing. The only thing I wanted to call out, uh, as Saren is and Friday are rejoining the group, Ballad is sort of eyeing Saren meaningfully, trying to catch Jurai, and gives gives her Jura nod. Saren meets their eyes and just gives a weak smile and nods back. We're gonna talk about this later. Yes, we will. Don't run away from your feelings. <laughs> yes, we're all gonna talk to this la- about this later and looks over to Ballad. <laughs> what, me? Dun, dun. There's nothing important for me to say. Dun, dun, Let's dun. get going. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you finish unloading the Yarrow Berries takes you about eight hours all things considered Kyo Hero hands over the cred sticks to Friday with 70% of the take as Miss Fanny and Friday and Saren are, are presumably getting back into the cargo loader he does draw Ballad back before letting her move on I've done some checking around your cover story appears to be intact. I just wanted to let you know that before you leave and to remind you, don't come back here again, especially with your friend in tow. We didn't really have a choice and I didn't exactly know that G was the, you know, the, the one. I guess there aren't that many shimmering around but like at the same time especially not that many shimmering that color yes i did think about that but what were the odds come on edge corp of all places that's a it's a dirt hole that i've put myself in and she kind of kicks at the ground and then she looks at him and says and and what about um have you heard anything about sinjin nothing concrete he is. He has not been on World in some time. Last I heard, he what? was engaging in some business of his own. He's actually started his own family since uh, the last time you likely spoke to him. So be careful there. That's not great news. No. Yeah, that's not. 
Okay, well, I have to go, as you yes. <laughs> as you pointed out. <laughs> Be well, Ballad. It was, for what it's worth, nice to see you. <sighs> you too, Hiro. Any message you want me to pass on to Dreg? Oh, she looks like she's about to cry when he says that, but then immediately straightens her face out and says, just tell him I love him, as always. And, um, and my uncle. Wink. <laughs> and then she knows he doesn't like this, but she gives him a big old hug and then immediately runs away because <laughs> she knows he's going to get mad. <laughs> he does the thing that the, the emperor and Mulan does when she hugs him and he just stands there with his arms like straight flat to his side. He also does the same thing that the emperor does where like his face does soften a little bit, but he, he definitely doesn't hug you back. That is not his thing. She blows him a kiss behind her back as she's running towards the, <laughs> towards the rig, like, haha, cheeky, cheeky child, hundreds of years old, but I'm still acting like this. Don't worry about me. Uh-huh. <laughs> Fanny, let's get moving. She jumps up top, loudly. <laughs> Miss Fanny hands back Ballad's blood-soaked clothes, what happened off camera while they were loading put it in a like a Ziploc bag with baking soda and all the space baking soda. No, uh, all the appropriate solutions to draw the blood out and had a poncho already ready because Miss Fanny was carries extra stuff, you know, that way. The stain won't set in. We can't have you ruining your nice clothes. Aw, thank you, Miss Fanny. We need to find another job. We've we freed up enough time that we probably could sneak one under the the radar and get a few extra credits. We gotta get moving. Good idea, Captain. <laughs> he tips he tips his hat at you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're all heading back to Calamity? Yeah, and once again up top, Ballad is talking to Saren because this is where it's really loud because the wind is whipping around, so she knows that um the folks in the cab aren't going to necessarily hear them. I've been around the Golden League for a long time. Like, like a really long time. Like a really, really long time. As much as they are after you, if they found out where I was, they would be after me more. So, let's like, just be buddies about it. You know, I'll protect you. That's kind of my thing. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, uh, I... I'm going to talk to the captain and Miss Fanny and you all about what I'm experiencing. Some things I've never told about myself, but I'll stick around to protect you as well. Okay. As long as you're not, like I said, I know that feeling. Okay. I tried to leave my people as well. It doesn't go well. Doesn't work. Running away. Is all I've ever really known how to do. How do I do anything else? Bella lays on her back and is staring up at the sky as she's talking right now. It's about choosing your moments. When to run and when to fight. And I think because we have a great group of people with us that we care about, that we want to save, that want to save us, that care about us, that maybe it's the opportune time to fight. And she grins. <laughs> you make it back to Calamity just fine. 
no problems. Get back on. You put Bessie away in the cargo hold. And you leave orbit. Everything's fine. You get out into space. You start you start heading out. I'm sure that like you're you know, you spin up the drift engine. Friday probably figures that the best place to head next would be back to Absalom Station because Tarika told you that when you're done with Akiton to head there and she'll hook you up with another job. She is your official Edgecorp dispatcher. So if there's more work to be had, she's got it for you. So that's your next logical move. The other thing is you four have to decide what you're going to do with this 70% of the profits. Bruno Pratt wants to retire. Before he can do that, he needs his full payment from this job to be able to set his family up comfortably and be able to comfortably pass that business on to his family. He will be not ruined if you don't give it to him, but he will be incredibly financially set back if he doesn't receive the full payment. So the full payment is about 50% of the take from this. The other 50% is supposed to go to Edgecore. And then they pay you your salaries and commissions and, you know, your stipend for running the ship, et cetera, et cetera. If you don't give Edgecorp the full 50% that is their share, there will be consequences. So you have a decision to make. Do you give Edgecorp its full share or do you give Runo Pratt his full share? So no matter what, somebody's getting screwed, basically. Yep. The title of this section of the AP is called Someone's Not Getting Paid. <gasps> That's flipping awesome. I, I pull them all together and I go, okay, listen. So we obviously did not hit our goal for this. And uh, I, I hate to say it, but I'm probably going to be on the line for this. And and there's going to be some repercussions for not, not hitting what we were supposed to hit for Edge Corp. But... I'm not, I don't abide by ripping off any honest man. Uh, so I'm going to give Runo his his half and deal with whatever might come for from Edgecourt. I've been there for Edgecourt for a long time now. I, I, I have a feeling that they aren't going to rake me over the coals too much for this decision. But it also means we're not going to get paid, probably. How do you all feel? I'm with you, Captain. If you weren't going to give it to him, I would probably have killed you all and done it myself. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Some uh, some real good jokes there, (laughs) Valid. I promise it's a joke. (laughs) Fingers crossed behind her back. I am on board with giving Runo his whole share. He's the only one who's dealt with us honestly um, this entire time I I am worried though that keep the ship as good as I can but uh, if if we don't give Edgecorp their entire share something around here is going to break what if we sell some crap from on the ship here's the good news is the gods have been rolling in our favor and we are way ahead of schedule. <laughs> so I'm open. Tarika might have a, an additional job for us to take up to, to kind of make up this deficit. 
but we'll have to see. That's a good point. I'm going to lie <laughs> the next time I roll. <laughs> I'm going to listen. I'm going to work so hard. If we need to unload things fast, me and Miss Fanny, we have this covered. Like, did you see how fast we go? Those berries unloaded. Miss Fanny, you're the number one. <laughs> oh, dearie. Did a mighty fine job. Fanny, that piloting was chef's kiss. Number one. <laughs> Years of experience. And my dear <laughs> captain, it's not just you getting raked over. We're your crew. We'll accept our portion of your decision. Happily, I may add for myself. Um, I'm glad Runo, who has dealt with us honestly, is getting his due pay. And if the rest of us need to shore up the missing part, we'll all, of course, be glad to pitch in. Well, my mama would be awfully, awfully appreciative of it if we can do what we can to hit our goals. We got to do it fast. Heck yeah. Fanny, let's get to Absalon Station and see if Tarika can get us some jobs. Okay. Okay. You're, so you're heading for Absalom Station. So you send Runo his payment, I assume. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Saren is the one that knows how to use the computer the best out of everyone. So <laughs> Saren, yeah, Saren just jumps on and you know wires wires Bruno the money with a little note that reads, "Enjoy your retirement. We look forward to dealing with your daughter in in the future." Don't send the money to Edge Corp yet. Let's see if we can shore that money up a little bit more before we send it. Can you counterfeit money? I found dealing with Edge Corp and. Count, trying to counterfeit our pull wool over their eyes just does nothing but invoke the bad omens on us. Holy cow, you've tried that, Captain? That's I was totally kidding. That's insane. <laughs> so <laughs> the problem with that plan is you would know as someone who's been working for the company a long time, as would Saren and Miss Fanny, that you are paid per job. And Edgecorp expects to be paid per job. Maybe she has some like DL jobs, jobs on the DL for us. That's that what I was thinking. Is, is Tarika and I have been friends for a very long time, so I'm thinking that she might have something. Could I potentially try a computers check to see if I can hunt down any any gig work that we could do um, on the <laughs> holosphere? Sure. Yeah, you can. You can try. Can I aid with like an underworld knowledge? Sort of like looking on the d- deep web. <laughs> the deep web. <laughs> the dark stars. Yeah, dark stars. Miss Fanny's going to start rationing, instituting rations. She puts the new meal schedules on the, the fridge. <laughs> Tell her to eat it. Uh, I got a 23 for like an underworld knowledge kind of aid. And sort of using uh, Ballad's contacts, Saren tries to, to, to track some things down, ends up rolling um, an 11 on the die with a plus 9 is a 20 and the 8 is a 22. You know, to get to the deep web, you have to download like six different applications. <laughs> <laughs> you don't find no jobs. There's stuff out there, but given that you were 
mostly using Ballad's contacts for this. I highly doubt these are the kinds of jobs that you want to do. There's a extra legal component to every single one of them. Uh, most of them take place on Akiton, since that is where you are closest and a place that Ballad and Saren <laughs> really don't want to go back to. There are a couple of smuggling gigs that you could maybe do, but again, it would require returning to Hive Market, since that is one of the larger settlements on the surface, or to Marrow, which... Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. You really don't want to go no, no, there. No, Freshwater no, Marrow? No, thanks. No, 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 no. Ballad just <laughs> slaps... You can if you want to. <laughs> no. Ballad slaps Aaron on the back and says, like, okay, well, uh, pretend you didn't see those. Um, I want to make it clear right now even when I was working with the GL, I never did anything like that. I mainly, um, I just killed rich people. Okay, so don't, like, I wasn't out here murdering, like, good folks, all right? Just assholes. That was the deal. Fanny, pull up Absalon Station. We need to get going. Saren, send the credits to Edge Corp, and we'll, uh, we'll see where the chips lie. And, uh, you know, things always have a way of working out, so maybe it'll work out this time. Oh. But sometimes you just gotta face the music. Captain. Let's get some Jambot going. <laughs> Captain. Jambot, play travel music. <laughs> Captain, quick question. What would happen if we kept the credits for ourselves? Ooh, there's an idea. I imagine we'd be fired. Uh, Edge Corp policy is to brick the ship you're in when you, uh, if you don't return with its goods. So we'd be stuck in space floating. We'd have no oxygen, no. Saren, you'd probably do fine <laughs> in here. You'd just oh, be in I'd a box for too. a while. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think we'd last for much long, very long. It'd be a very cold, long journey into nowhere. Captain, don't you think Saren could do something about that? I don't think they could... I mean, listen, I may not know that much about technology, but I don't think they could fully brick this ship from where they are at. Well, they have unlimited resources. Well, we... Looks around at our ship that's the size of like a shoe a shoe box. Well, we have... A piece of the ship breaks down in the background while you're saying, you're looking. <laughs> limited means yeah i mean but what if we spent that money like listen i have a friend on absalom station kind of my best friend in the entire world someone i've known since i was born who was also born with me they might know something <laughs> fortunately i think our hints have come home to roost we just gotta see what happens next and uh, i think we got a mighty fine crew if edge corp doesn't understand what they got We'll figure a way out from there and do our own thing. What, what if they say? brick us after we send the 20%? Well, that's why I think we're going to wait till we hit Absalon Station before we send it. Okay, good point. <laughs> <laughs> I'll cue that transfer to happen once we're out of the drift. Thank, thank you, Saren. Get, get, jam, get Jampot <laughs> to play something happy. Uh, it's been a long day. You see the captain go off and in the captain's... In the cockpit area, you see a hammock, and he gets into the hammock and just puts his hat down over his eyes and goes <laughs> to sleep. <laughs> or tries to, anyway. Miss Fanny, 
takes Calamity out, spools up that drift engine, and you all... Sweet. This is so hard. You shift planes, hit drift space, and you're headed for Absalom Station. And I think we're going to leave it there. You sure you don't want to roll how many days it, time, how many days it takes us to get there? Before? <laughs> Do you want me to roll it now or, or next episode? Sure, let's roll it now. All It'll right. It'll be funny. Black. It'll be a funny end. Oh, that's true. That is true. <laughs> if we get a good one or a bad one. I got a 26 piloting 28 if I use my Starstone compass. Nice. It's going to take you five days to get back to Absalom Station. <laughs> Suck oh. it, nerds. Oh, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> Far Beyond the Stars is a Fantastic Worlds production. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you can't get enough of our crew, we also produce a second show, the Fantastic Worlds podcast, based on the Reign of Winter adventure path for Pathfinder 1E. We recommend connecting with our fantastic community on Discord and Reddit or following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find links to access all of those on our website at fantasticworldspod.com. Please consider joining our Patreon by going to fantasticworlds.cash, where you can get access to behind-the-scenes content for all of our shows and a whole extra Pathfinder podcast produced exclusively for our Patreon subscribers. I am Abby, your galactic mistress, and you can find me at Bonanza Famine on Instagram or Twitter. Hi, I'm Heidi. I play Saren. You can find me on Twitter at Vamahillion. That's V-A-M-I-H-I-L-I-O-N. We're on Discord <laughs> at Heidelon. Adorable. And of course, running lovable Miss Fanny is lovable Mr. Espinoza, which you can uh, reach me at uh, Espinoza916. It's your favorite pink android cat girl, Jess, a.k.a. Hank the Clank. Find me posting pictures of my cat on Instagram and just tweeting nonsense on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is Dustin, a.k.a. Friday Francisco. You can find me at Dustin Alexander on the socials where I talk about things like raiding Animorphs. And uh, and all kinds of random, usually just a lot of political garbage. Also, it's usually one of those two things. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, Sirenscape, for the use of your sound effects and music. If you enjoy our show, please do us a favor and help spread the word to family and friends you think may enjoy the show as well. We'll see you next time, far beyond the stars. Kapew! Far Beyond the Stars is a Fantastic Worlds production and an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. The Starfinder Adventure Path Fly Free or Die is a trademark of Paizo, copyright 2020. All Paizo content is used with permission.